Welcome to today's St. Paul's Church of the Voyager podcast. I'm Pastor Rob Fiesler, and I am glad that you are listening today. On the Monday evening before Easter, I had a a strange dream. I was preparing to enter into an immense sanctuary where I was to give a keynote presentation at a large church leadership conference. Now, I felt really good as I entered into the packed room. I wasn't nervous at all. And so I began with some extemporaneous interactions with the crowd of pastors and the other church leaders who were there. And and I sensed that they were just hooked. But just before I launched into my prepared remarks, I realized that I needed to exit the room to grab something I'd forgotten to bring in with me. After I exited, I I was suddenly disoriented and I could not figure out how to get back inside. I, I saw someone on the church staff. They had an official name tag and all, but when I asked for directions back to the main assembly hall, She said she didn't know. I continued to seek help all the while trying to figure out how I'd reframe my talk in such a way that would indicate that my absence had been part of my planned presentation all along. I finally found a security guard who could guide me back to the sanctuary. And as we walked, I noticed that this guard was a bit overweight, disheveled, and his his shirt was slightly untucked. He also walked with a slight limp, which meant we were not getting back to the room as quickly as I wanted to. When uh, I asked him his name, he gave the strangest name I had ever heard. It was so strange, in fact, that I immediately knew that I'd never remember it. And some people know that I'm pretty good with names. Well, just then I I woke up, which means I never got back into the room to offer any of the presentation that I had prepared. Laying in bed, I pondered the dream and what it meant because I don't usually remember my dreams in such vivid detail. Now, some of the meaning seemed uh, obvious, but then I heard an inaudible voice, something I've heard just three or four other times in my life, and what I heard that voice say was this. That wasn't a dream. It was a vision. Now, I'm evidently too inexperienced to know the difference. A word of caution Just because someone says they've had a vision does not mean you should believe them. And it certainly does not mean you should believe whatever they interpret the vision to mean, especially if that interpretation turns out to be self-serving. You know, God told me to have everyone watching online send in $1,000 so that I can vanquish this pestilence that's plaguing our land. You know, I am both amazed and perplexed that there are so many audacious cons, I I mean pastors out there, who get away with such things. 
accumulating massive wealth at the same time. Biblically speaking, I just don't think there's a time when anyone called by God is really delighted about God's call on their lives. I think of Moses and how he resisted and and then how he never actually got into the promised land. When I was in seminary, the dean told the story of a farmer who went into his cornfield to see if it was ready for harvest. The clouds opened up before the farmer, and two stone tablets descended on rays of golden light. On one tablet was inscribed the letter P. The other tablet was inscribed with the letter C. The farmer interpreted this to mean that God was calling him to preach Christ. And so he headed off to seminary. When the seminary chaplain asked him about his call to ministry, the farmer told the story of his dramatic vision and how, when he saw the two tablets inscribed with the letters P and C, he knew that God wanted him to preach Christ. The chaplain asked, And where were you when you received this vision? The farmer explained that he'd been in a cornfield to see if it was ready for harvest. The chaplain then asked, and you say you saw the two letters P and C. At that, the farmer nodded vigorously. The chaplain then inquired, have you considered that the P and the C might have been God's way of telling you that it was time to pick corn? Now, I'm just going to have to imagine that all of you who just heard that are laughing and not groaning. With that caution, I'd say my dream slash vision gave me a great deal of clarity on some things I've been working on, even grappling with as a pastor. These are not things I need to go into, but I did sense that this dream slash vision was to be shared in my Easter message because I'd already planned to give a different message. And remember, in the dream, and though I was well prepared, I never re-entered the room to give the keynote presentation that I had prepared. Now, I suspect that all of us might relate to this dream in some degree as it corresponds to this moment in our lives where we are dealing with this coronavirus pandemic. I mean, what, if anything, that we had already planned to be doing right now remains actionable. My son and my wife, they are completing their college semesters online. Our daughter's May 8th college graduation has been scratched, and I just canceled uh, June tickets to Hawaii for my wife and I, uh, a long-anticipated vacation, what would have been my first trip uh, to Hawaii. And still, we really do not know for how long our plans, the ways we've been scripting out our lives, will be disrupted, do we? Even when we cross the apex of this pandemic, the risk of infection will remain high, especially for the most vulnerable among us until 
there's a viable vaccine. I'm not saying that to be bleak. Um, My real aim, my hope, is that we'd simply see that this is a time where we can connect more deeply with Jesus's disciples and the severe dislocation they felt when what they'd planned for, what they hoped for, came to an abrupt, decisive, and brutal end. When they saw Jesus impaled upon the cross. As I was in my dream, Jesus's first disciples would have been totally disoriented. They were, they were lost and rudderless. From this side of resurrection, we can and we often do overlook how terrifying Friday and Saturday must have been for them. From what little we know, the disciples fled and sealed themselves away, fearing that the contagion of violence might spread, that they'd be the next, crucified as troublemakers. For us right now, perhaps as never before, I think we can relate to the desolation the disciples felt as they saw the one that they thought was the Son of God, and the Savior of Israel, hanging powerless on the cross. Because it meant that life as they'd known it was not going to be as they had planned. But what the disciples did not yet know was just how much life as they'd known it was never going to be the same. They did not see, they could not see that God was up to something that would upend their lives even more than the crucifixion of Jesus. How could they have imagined what God was doing inside the tomb? Who could have imagined resurrection? Who could have planned for such an unexpected reversal of reality? That is resurrection. It's an unforeseen reversal of reality that liberates us so we will not continue to live our lives according to our pre-Easter plans. This Resurrection Sunday, like that first resurrection uh, morning of Easter, I suspect that our time of sheltering at home is actually a divine invitation for us to embrace the resurrection reality in a way we never have. Because resurrection means that God does not want us to go back to the ways we've been living our pre-Easter lives. No, God wants us to embrace resurrection. And what is vital, listen carefully, my friends, is that we need to see that Jesus had been living a resurrection life all along. He is the way because his whole way of living and giving is the way. Jesus has shown us up close what it means to to love the right things in the right ways. And this is why Peter in his sermon in Acts does not just talk about the cross and the resurrection. No, Peter talks about Jesus' anointing with the Holy Spirit and his ministry of doing good and healing brokenness. 
It is Jesus' entire life and teaching, not just his death and resurrection, which matter. That's why Peter's sermon in Acts 10 covers all of that. So again, listen carefully. Jesus' resurrection is not only an affirmation that our future, our destiny beyond death is a life with God. No, the good news is way better, way bigger than that. The resurrection is also perhaps even more a vindication and affirmation of everything Jesus did in his entire life in ministry before anyone made the mistake of thinking that they could stop what God slash Jesus was doing by nailing him to a cross. What this means, brothers and sisters in Christ, is that God is inviting us to live resurrection lives here and now by sharing Jesus' entire view of God and the world as proclaimed in the Gospels. As Dallas Willard uh, writes, I think it's in his book, The Divine Conspiracy. Willard writes, To Jesus' eyes, everything in the world was God-bathed and God-permeated. So do you know why Jesus hung out with prostitutes and tax collectors and other sinners? Because he never once saw those people as prostitutes or tax collectors or sinners. No, Jesus looked at them and saw the image and likeness of God looking back into his eyes. And in resurrection, God is inviting us to see everything and everyone in a whole new way. Through the grace-filled eyes of Jesus, his Son, and our risen Savior. And so it is through the eyes of faith that I say to you on this Easter morning, Christ is risen. Alleluia. He is risen indeed. Amen.